like I was saying, you know, I, I think media is a powerful tool. I feel like it's super easy for people like, like us to be like, oh, well, like, yeah, we understand that. But we also like, you have to be able to step back at a certain point, you know, just because I'm playing a first person shooter doesn't mean I'm going to go shoot something, you know? Yeah, you're a normal person. Or just because there's like a percentage of people be it infinitesimally small who aren't like that but why though what is it about them is it just that if they the <laughs> bless you i hope you pick that up in the microphone it was very loud great it, does it make them happy because they're like you know it's games are supposed to make you feel good so when i get a a 30 person kill streak in call of duty i feel good because that's an accomplishment are games supposed to make you feel good are games like art and they're supposed to make you feel something because uh, i don't know if feel good i think i think games more than any other artistic medium are there to make you feel good yeah relative they have to a like, tendency to make you feel good a vast majority of them are designed to make you feel good but like a piece of art it's just supposed to make you feel a thing or is just deriving something that a creator put into it that's not necessarily the intent right like if I'm looking at a television show, like a Vince Gilligan show, I'll be like, I'll take something out of that. I'll feel like I, I'm media literate enough to be like, ah, I am analyzing and interpreting and, and digesting. Mm. I don't always feel that way about all of the games I play because you're right. Some games are just sort of like pure escapism, but other games are like, oh, this is art. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between something like um, Celeste or Greece uh, versus something like Tetris, you know? Yeah, let me tell you, Celeste is so much more fun than Greece. But Tetris is like one of those, it's therapy to some extent. Like, it's getting yourself into a headspace because it is quote unquote good, feels good. So, it's zen like. If we're thinking about games on that, on that, you know, I don't know, paradigm is Hitman 2 parentheses 2018 close parentheses mm -hmm. uh this isn't where a... where does it fall on on the line of of pure enjoyment versus art i think it it satisfies it it taps that same note of your brain that you get when you successfully program something i think it's zen like it's i i zen think i think i think hitman is therapeutic in that it is a series of machines and machinations that all work without your doing anything. And it is your job to understand the systems that are in place and throw a wrench in one of them because you know how it'll affect everything. Thus, you have some semblance of like control over this, like, um, I guess, controlled environment to some extent. You are the X factor in an otherwise controlled environment. Yeah, it feels like this world exists without you more so than a lot of other video game environments or levels. Like you can just sit back and observe and there's so many scripts going on that, you know, eventually if you watch it long enough, it'll feel robotic because that's part of the game. It's being able to understand what's going on. There's not too, too much chaos involved, but you are the chaos. And I guess you can say that about all the hitman games it's a franchise that i've like flirted with before but never really uh been a fan of i'd say like I'm, I'm familiar with some of the old hitman games i would pick them up touch them a little bit be like i think this is fun but then eventually go back to like playing counter-strike or something and not really give it give it two shakes but uh a lot of people who i really respect 
enjoyed Hitman 2 quite a bit. Hitman 2, parentheses, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but hello. I hate video games. But hello. Stuff. We're, this is Garbage Game Club. I do. I mean, who are we doing that for? Yeah, this is for the podcast feeds. This is, I'm Nick, and then this is Joey. Thanks. Um, if someone is listening to this episode who hasn't listened to any other episodes before, hit me on Twitter. I'll Venmo you $10. Um, Dude, I'm going to make so many different accounts on Twitter. No. <laughs> you have one Venmo, though. You're thinking it's fucking flawed. I'll make a fake account. You need a new phone number, then. I'll get a phone number. No, you phone. won't. I'll tell my mom to sign up for it. Yeah, I have your mom's phone number. I'll have my dad. I'll have Nadine do it. You're... There's ways around this weird binary thinking, and that's what makes me a good hitman, Joey. <sighs> <laughs> I I think that you walked away from Hitman feeling a lot uh, smarter than I did, which probably means that you played the game a little bit more as intended than I did. Uh, Hitman as a game is is um, shit. Isn't this Hitman like IO's first like standalone project since they're it's them since they yeah since they've claimed independence and have basically become a a single A indie developer, you know. Is it a single A? I don't know what 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 really uh, differentiates between like an A or a B I think or like a. I think it's just, it's tied to a beloved IP. Therefore, there's some level of expectation that it you know it's not going to look like a 16-bit pixelized game. Mm-hmm. It has some sort of budget, like higher end budget than most independent developers do. Okay, okay, that's fair. Uh, I I think that there's an interesting conversation and, and a fun way to start it off is you know just talking about how. We've brought it up on the show before, but it seems like uh, uh, B-tier games or like C-tier movies or, or like B-movies, B-games mm. and stuff is kind of like a dying art in the sense that there's AAA games. There, There's God of War and Last of Us and Final Fantasy. Those happen. There's AAA games that are, you know, your Maddens and your Call of Duties. Those just happen. There's games that are, um, I forget what you call them, when they never, when they are always updating. They're like evolving. Games as a service. Games as a service game. Got your destinies. But there's there's seldomly games that fit into that single A or B tier category, like like your Hellblade, like your like your Hitman, yeah, like your. I mean, what else? The the list feels like it's getting smaller and smaller because. Those games that could have been B tier games are studios that now are owned by AA studios and either do like repetitive, whatever work, or they're indie games like your like your Celeste. But but I mean, you bring up an interesting point. But it's interesting because Hitman took an almost reverse approach to that because in 2016, when they were owned by when IOI was uh, owned by Square Enix, they released Hitman 2016, effectively Hitman Season One. And basically every level was released as a, the game was a game as a service. It was, you know, when the game came out, you only had the French fashion show level. You only had that level. And then maybe two months later, they would release the next level, which was, um, wow. Oh, Sapienza, the, the uh, perfect level in Hitman franchise as a whole um and then after that they'd release the next level so on and so forth but it was all episodic it was a game as a service and it really shined as a game as a service i think a a a model of what a game as a service should be because one every episode felt meaty if you really loved the game there were so many ways and i think that's what hitman 2 also extrapolates is that there's so many ways of doing 
achieving the objective and in a way that feels like it's fun, inventive every time. I don't know if that works for everyone though, because Hitman Hitman's replayability relies on you wanting to go back and do these yes. scenarios in things that are you know, like you're playing the same level, you have the same setup, you're just changing the outcome and like or like the Rude Goldberg machine that you put in place to to get these these marked kills you want. So I mean, maybe if I was an even bigger hit fan fan, I would go back through and I would do all of the story hits because I'm like, ooh, wouldn't this be a fun scenario? Or man, right. like, I completely play the game differently and you can learn the level more intricately and you can really, you know, sink your teeth into it if you want that. But I don't know if that's perfect because I don't think that's for everyone. I don't think it's for me. Um, mm. I, I think that it's not like a, it's not like a respecting my time thing, because, but like it's, it's like a self-constrained... I don't love it enough to go back and do all that stuff. I'm just happy playing through it once. So, like, the, I don't know if the game as the service is perfect if you're going to be uh, cutting it up into, like, one level every month like they originally did. Mm-hmm. Because then I would just be, like, I'd be excited to keep coming back to it like a new episode of TV was released. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I'm not super stoked you're, on, like, you're not playing the core, it over and over again. You're not the core demographic of the person who's going to go back over and over. And and, I don't know if that core demographic is big enough to sustain what they have going on. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, um, it's, a, it's a novel idea, and I think it's, a, like, genuinely a cool thing that I wish – that I have my moods of. The way I played Hitman 2 was it was all very dependent on my mood. When I felt like I wanted to be a god in the machine and really throw a wrench in the plans, I would play like the way, you know, if I was an actual hitman and I wanted to do this without ever being caught, I wanted to make it look like I never existed. Like, I would get in my moods where I play that way. Um, Usually, I think it was relevant to the levels. Um, I found levels like Sapienza, um, which I think is just the best hitman level, straight up. Um, uh, I really liked Hokkaido. Hokkaido was really fun. And then the uh, answer is Miami, if you're curious, but we can, I didn't really, I didn't really, I I think (sighs) the biggest difference between Hitman 2016 and then 2018 Hitman 2. We haven't even talked about Hitman 2. I think we were saying it's Hitman 1. (laughs) The, the big, I played it in sequential order. Clarify that, that both games live on the Hitman 2 platform now, and the way that you have to go about buying them on Steam is incredibly convoluted because you can buy each individual level, or you can buy them in packs, or you can buy them as individual games, but one will load into two, so you can own Hitman 2 without having all the levels unlocked. And then there's yeah. DLC for Hitman 2 and a full DLC package for the game in general, which makes extra missions and then an online replay thing. And this game is the most confusing uh, way to purchase a complete system. If, and if, it can if, be very expensive, too, if it's not on sound, you're just yeah. everything at once. It's like, oh, do you want to spend $120 to unlock every Hitman level? It's like, wait, what? It, it feels a lot like a fast food menu in that you're well, like, okay, the burger doesn't come with fries. Okay, I'll get the fries, and I'll I'll save a little bit if I get a drink with okay. Okay, I guess I'm spending more in the long run. But I've I guess never I've... seen a more convoluted way <laughs> to purchase a video game and, I mean, and have it it's... internally paywalled. I had, I had purchased Hitman 2016. I had purchased the gold version when it went on sale at some point for like $8. And so I had owned it. I would never really played it, whatever. And then Hitman 2 came out. I was like, oh, I'm going to pick that up when it goes on sale the way Hitman 1 did. And then I saw that Hitman 2 also offered a legacy pack, which basically said if you own the original Hitman, you get to play the original Hitman 2016. 
in the engine of Hitman 2. I was like, oh, that's like a no-brainer because I haven't played 2016 yet. And so that's what I ended up doing, and I ended up playing it in sequential order. And if you play it all as one pack, there's like, I don't know, five or six. There, with all the DLC, there's probably close to 15 levels. That sounds about right. Yeah, ish, 15 to 20 if I had to guess. And each one can take you from the span of like 30 minutes to two hours, depending on how you know yeah, intricate and, and, you want to get. I think as you get into Hitman 2, I think the levels get meatier because uh, IOI realized what worked in Hitman 1. And kind of extrapolated that to every level, which was more story missions, which are which are the past because you can play Hitman without Hitman's really interesting in the sense that you can play it without any guidance. Like you can basically turn all the HUD off, you can turn in mm-hmm. turn off the voice in your ear, your little your little commander. You can you can really go in it for yourself if you're someone who wants and enjoys that, right? Or you can play the opposite way: open up your HUD, click on a story mission, and then you can have your like. Witcher waypoint following. Do this. Do this. Do this. And then it'll basically be like a oh, checklist really? that that you can follow off. I yeah. didn't. Do, I didn't do that. I turned that off. Like they're like, do you want to do assistive mode? I was like, no. I, I the the fun for me in Hitman is discovering the path and then kind of like, are you the save scum type or are you the let the chips fall on the place? I saved some levels. I saved some scum some levels because I'm like, oh, I really like the setup I have. I don't want to mess it up because I like step into an arena in the wrong place. Like that's just. That that comes down to like a how I wanted to have fun thing, and I don't necessarily derive f- the fun from Hitman and like being like, oh, well, I just accidentally walked in an area I shouldn't have for an extra foot, so now I blew up forty minutes of progress because mm-hmm. now there's a there's a riot going on at this fashion show. So there, <laughs> but you know, Hitman also lets you live in those in between moments too, so you don't have to have it fully hold your hand. You can have it like start a mission, and then you know you're getting all the audio cues and details for the mission without waypoint markers so like sometimes oh, i would cool. sometimes i would do that where it'd be like you know i i would i would start a mission and then i wouldn't know what step two is aside from you know getting the clues from step one and then following it that way and i felt like that was a good guided experience which was much improved in hitman 2 than it was in hitman 1 yeah hitman 1 leaves you more to like your own devices like all right good luck figure it out there's Where's- also less stuff that's pre-programmed in hitman 1 yeah yeah, Hitman 2 definitely, I f- it feels is easier than Hitman 1, but because of the scope of each level, I feel you end up spending a lot more time in each level, just kind of moseying around. Yeah, and I, I like that. I like kind of exploring. I never felt the need to be like speed running these levels, but also I'm not someone who responds well to end of level ratings in games. <laughs> I'm never looking for for my for my European elite Metal Gear rating or my my A in. Oh really? I I would have counted you as like oh man I didn't hit the top of the leaderboard you know. Nope, not even the slightest bit. If we're playing a game, I'm gonna be very upset if i'm not top fragging but if i'm playing a single player experience like it man interesting like i don't give a fuck if i got an a or a b or i don't if i'm playing my my street fighter level like i don't need to get like s plus plus ratings like that is so insignificant to me i just want to get to the end i don't need to get to the end knowing that i like played some kind of perfect game which is why hitman i feel functions for someone who does appreciate those that kind of end game rating and score system more than others. 
I can I can see how someone who likes those kind of mechanics and and gets joy out of those ratings would have a better time or a, just a completely different experience than I did. Because there were some times when like I completely fucked up a level halfway through and I'm like, you know what? Boop boop. Okay, did my two assassinations <laughs> with a silence pistol hiding in a corner where a guard couldn't see me. Now I'm gonna walk off while everyone's searching for me and I'm in a bad disguise. And then you know what? I'm never gonna touch the level again. And that was enjoyable but i never i never felt the need to be a completionist we've talked on the show before like you know i feel like that's a marker for when i love a game is when i'm gonna be a completionist and i really like hitman 2 i really like hitman 2 i think hitman 2 is like an important game that people should talk about more and should like derive ideas from and and it and has like a very solid foothold in games i think that they did like create a crazy good job on almost every aspect except from the fucking store and buying part <laughs> and people can learn stuff from this and people would enjoy hitman i think people haven't given hitman the time of day and it's one of those games that falls into the gem category yeah but it's not like that. a not like a zeitgeisty gem like someone would say a celeste right I think, th- I think there's less i think there's less of a cult following that's pushing it on people and it more just kind of exists as something that is good and people in the know know about it, but no one's being like, dude, if you played Hitman, you would, gotta play Hitman. Would you say it's hidden in plain sight? Stop. <laughs> well, but I think there's a version of this game that is bad, that is capitalizing on the things that like an unwilling to compromise with how it's played. And I think that's what a bad version of this game looks like. So the thing that I think Hitman 2 really excels and shines at is like Agent 47 is its adaptability and willingness to improvise with you. If you are like me and you want to go in and if you're feeling master Zen mode Hitman, the game will reward you with some fun interactions where you can do some really cool setups for these uh, elaborate assassinations and do it. But every now and then I get into my mood where I'm like, okay, I'm kind of over this. Like, let's just do this. And so then like the game just presents opportunities like, okay, if you want out quickly, you know, pull out your silenced pistol, hide in this corner, shoot, and then walk out. That's fine. And the game rewards you for that. You have the ability to proceed. In a worse version of this game, you didn't achieve the minimum required of challenges in order to unlock the next level. Therefore, replay the level and try to get more experience this time, you know. Yeah, I would hate that. And and that's and but you would see how a version of that game could exist. But I'm I'm I applaud IOI for just like, no, yeah, you you did the thing. Go It's go very on. accessible. Yeah. It's very accessible. Again, except for the whole how do I buy this on Steam thing, which is <laughs> I, I promise you, if you don't know what I'm talking about and you try and look it up because you want to play Hitman, wait for a sale. You'll be happy you did. <laughs> and then enjoy how confusing it is yeah. between all the different DLCs. I uh, love the DLC for two. I feel like, you know, between like the bank heist and... And the island. And the island. They really, Haven. They, really, they really did a crazy job of like making these new scenarios that felt more grand wow excuse me more grandiose in the original game Mm -hmm. and i'm like wow that's really cool um and i like that if you are into hitman enough there's always like you know extra missions that pop up or like like special contracts where you can go back and replay levels but like with a new twist to them and it feels like 
they are really putting so much love into this that it's cool. And that almost makes me more sad that it is that Hitman wasn't more zeitgeisty. I I think, yeah, like the amount of care put into each part of the game. Like there's not only the regular story modes, but there's the independent contracts that you can do as a player where you can basically create a hit for other players and in order to do that you enter a level and then the game you don't have an objective you just get to choose okay i want to kill this person and then i'm going to do it this way and other players have to recreate what i do in order to fulfill to check this box which i think is a fun idea um but not only that you also have ghost mode which i literally have no idea what it's about (laughs) there's the sniper which if you make a dedicated like mode to sniping, I'm going to have to check it out and it is so much fun. It's so fun. It's so easy. It's a nice little nippet of of, yeah. of enjoyability. It's, it's a solid 10 it, to 15 it, minutes of your it time. It was a pre-order bonus for the original Hitman that you would get the sniper mission and then you could play that while you waited for Hitman to release. Like that's a fun idea. Like that's cool. That's neat. And that's a, that, like oh, you can tell they care. But the thing that makes Hitman 2 and I think it's the thing that'll make me return to the game every now and then is the addition of elusive targets. I think the elusive target is one of the most interesting things a game has ever done, ever. Do you know what an elusive target is? I'm familiar that they pop up in the menu and they're like, hey guys, there's like a, this is this week's elusive target and it's on the HUD, and then I'm like, yeah, give me the main story mission. The elusive target is a timed target contract that gives the player one opportunity to get a hit. So if you go through that mission and fail, the the one that I played through for the purpose of this Let's Play, not Let's Play, Garbage Game Club, was um, the serial killer in uh, the small town, Whittlemore, I believe. Mm -hmm. And you had to find who the serial killer was in the town, and you had to kill them. And the caveat with elusive targets is that if you fail your mission, you are locked out of it and you can no longer do the elusive target. You failed. And you can see maybe other people like, oh, let's see what it looks like when you're successful. And I think that's such a fun idea that raises the stakes in a way that doesn't feel like it's locking me out of content, but makes me feel like, one, if I'm successful, I'm a god at the game. But if I fail, I'm like, man, that really sucks. Like, that's a bummer. Like, the game just said, nah. You're not good enough. And I love that there's a game that has that built an environment that makes me feel rewarded for doing well, but also like kind of bummed, but not upset that I failed. I feel like we should talk about some of the maps. Yes. Let's talk about some of the maps. What, what's your favorite map? I think I know what it is. Well, but. I mean, I said, like, I think Miami is the best map mm. for, for a myriad of reasons. Other, other good contenders are... Because you went to Florida are, at one point. Like, hate, yeah, you but lived in Florida. I hate Florida. <laughs> other good contenders are, are Haven. Um, another good contender is the, uh, the Pandemic Mission. Which, even though it's not an original map, like, the, the last one for the Pandemic DLC is great. Yeah. Um, but... To be able to like, I think Miami does does a perfect job of showing you how Hitman Two levels exist without you. Because 
everyone in Hitman missions like kind of have their schedules and you can just like load the game up and then just like watch people walk around and eventually do the same stuff over and over again. But Miami evolves with an in-game timer like no other levels yeah. really do because the map starts off with a race starting. One of your targets is participating in the race and there's so many different things you can do either with or without that race going on, which is all in-game clock dependent, there's an eventually a point where the race is going to end and you can't even touch that content anymore because, well, you weren't doing it or prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Do you want to kill her during the race? Do you want to kill her? Do you want to make her win the race so that she's on the podium and kill her there? Do you want to make her lose the race so she's mad after? Mm -hmm. Do you want to make her win the race and then have her at a party? Um, do, do you want to delay the race? Like, do you want to ha kill her dad first and then see how that affects uh, the race? Like, there's so many different uh, things in, like, this bright, colorful environment that really be... Uh, and, like, the entire map is also split in half by the racetrack that you can only have a couple points to go over or under. Yeah. Like, it's it's such a it's such a beautifully fun designed map that I think takes a because most Hitman levels are like here's a big open sandbox yeah and you and like there's inside areas there's outside areas okay whatever but but the racetrack more than any other level feels like it is just living it goes on without you yeah which I, which is the thing I think my biggest. Uh... My biggest criticism of Hitman 2016 is that it, it felt like the world was waiting on you for a vast majority of it, as in all of it. But I think that Hitman 2 is a clear indicator of iterative design in a way that a lot of games, you can't really follow that through line as easy. Because if you look at Hitman 2016 and actually play through that, I, I played all the content in sequential order that it was released. The thing that really caught me off guard is when I got to the um, patient zero portion of Hitman 2016 because all of that stuff, the outbreak stuff, that was all content for Hitman 2016 that was released later on. But the thing that's impressive about Hitman 2016's DLC stuff, the patient zero, the uh, pandemic stuff, is that it introduces parameters that really flip your expectation of what a level can do in Hitman because, you know, in the first level of the pandemic, you have to kill the two cult leaders that are in the hotel. And if you kill one of them, the other one's like, okay, something's wrong. So I'm going to go chill in a warehouse full of security guards. And so that's not a thing that the game would have done originally. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, it's adapting with me now. And then it evolves to the point of, uh, like it introduced the sniper mission, which I thought was fun in a way that felt organic to hitman with the colorado hit sniper level mm -hmm. but it culminates really in patient zero or yeah patient zero where you are in hokkaido and you have to kill someone who is highly contagious and you have to kill their doctor and the thing that really catches you off guard is in the middle of the hit if you're slow he'll start infecting other people not even if you're slow it happens pretty pretty right away yeah yeah it happens pretty quickly so you kind of have to throw caution in the wind and then just start killing people who are infected but you also have to do it while still being undercover, which is like such a fun way. Now, fast forward to Hitman 2 in the Miami level specifically, and you do see it is a living, breathing world where any choice you make really does affect it. And I think Miami is the shining star of Hitman 2. It truly is 
the best level outside of maybe Haven. Um, I didn't really care much for the bank job. I thought that one was too easy. Uh, but Haven and Miami were really fun because of it felt like such a huge world, but it felt focused. Like I feel like there were so many threads to follow that I never felt like I was lost at any point. But I think the worst level in Hitman 2 is Mumbai. I think Mumbai is impressive in its scope. It's huge. It's, it's the biggest level by far. There's so many people. There's apartment complexes. There's another Hitman that's there. And there's just like, there's a lot going on. But I felt like none of the targets were actually interesting in any way. And I feel like you couldn't deal with them in any interesting ways. Like, I pretended to be some um, Bollywood pop star. And then I ended up taking a photo with the guy I was supposed to kill. He took me to the top of some scaffolding and then had a conversation. And I never felt like there was anything that was pointing like, oh, this is how you do the fun stuff. And I feel like the best Hitman levels are like, the fun stuff's over here if you want to do the cool way of killing the guy. Whereas that one, I was like, okay, I'm just going to knock out the guard and then I'm going to shoot this guy in the back of the head, throw him off the skyscraper. And then at that point, I was like, I'm ready for this level to be over. I hopped on a train and then I saw the girl through a window, I shot her in the head and then just walked. I was like, oh, man. at least the game let me do that. Like, that was good. Yeah, it lets you... It lets you operate on whatever field you want to because you could also just kind of go in guns blazing. It's not the best version of the game, but if you want to just like walk around and silence pistol people, you can kind of get away with it. Yeah, the gunplay is pretty bad, but I think that's fine because that's not really what the game is. Yeah, it's hard for me to to talk about the gunplay because aside from a couple moments where I'm just like, well, this is going to be fun to just like see if I can shoot 30 guards. (laughs) Uh, It's mostly just like, silence pistol headshots from the shadows and it's like okay that was that's as much as it needed to be mm-hmm. i i would love to see now that i've finished the game i feel comfortable now watching like agdq hit speed man, speed runs of hitman hitman 2 like i want to see what top tier hitman playthroughs look like i don't know if, yeah I, I don't know what those look like because i don't think they're actually been involved in that many marathons that'd be curious i want to see like what a master class hitman player who understands every little bit of the game like i want to understand what that playthrough looks like because i think it'd be very entertaining uh one of my favorite things and one of my favorite videos of all time is uh giant bomb uh, a company i really like a lot they did a special holiday thing where they got their east and west coast offices together and they did a hitsmas for Christmas, and basically they turned it into a party game where in a hat they put um, a costume that you have to wear, a weapon that you have to use, and then a modifier, and then they assign each of those to a specific target in a level. So in the Sapienza level, there's two targets, plus you have to destroy the virus. So it's like wear a priest costume to kill the dude in the mansion, but you have to use the amputation knife and the modifier is you have to throw three people in a wood chipper before you finish the level. And like doing that, forcing that sort of like restrictive like guidelines makes for some very entertaining and fun like party talk, especially if everyone's, you know, having a couple of drinks or whatever. Like that's fun. Yeah, it's a very versatile game, which I don't know, which allows people to do silly things like this right like they succeeded in making something that exists beyond just the initial thought out experience because they put so much time into the systems and mechanics of how it works and the worlds they live in which is what they should be applauded for which is why i think i would like universally recommend people try and play around with it man 
I think it's more fun to people who enjoy puzzle games in some way, shape, or form, even though mm -hmm. it's not like your traditional puzzle game. You know, you're not you're not matching three and bejeweled, or you're not you know going and taking your notebook out for Oberdin, but you are playing a puzzle. But there's no like actual gameplay, which does make it feel more like a puzzle game. Like there's no like you move around. But, like, nothing's really demanding, you know? It doesn't require... To, to, to say that gameplay requires some demanding, like, thought or control well, not, feels disingenuous. Well, not, I'm not trying to say, like, oh, just it's not gameplay. It's, That's like saying Baba's You has no gameplay. No, like, it just feels like it's not demanding in the way that I, I think had expected a Hitman to be before I actually played a Hitman game. Because I just assumed Hitman was like, oh, you're... You're a killer, and you shoot things, and you sometimes do some cool stuff and set stuff up in a cool way. But it never feels like a game where I am. I need to be a, a headshot expert. I don't need to be a no scope esports player. You know, like it, it really just feels like it trusts you to figure out what works for you, and really gives you all the tools and, and sets it all up in a way that's like, oh yeah, you really can play this if you if you do want to be an esports player. There's probably a way that you can play through this game that way. It might not be as fun, but, you know, fun's different for everyone. I like Hitman 2. Did I get that across properly? I like Hitman 2 as well. I like Hitman 2, and I think that you should try it if you listened to it and didn't play it. It's It sits somewhere, like, in, in the middle where I don't think it's, you know monumentally important but i think it should be studied i feel like this is a this is like an academic game that that you can derive things from the people who are making this game now are going to go on and take this hitman experience to make other games better yeah i could see that i'd be curious to see what ioi does like outside of a hitman 3 like i'd be curious to see what other games they make that you know clearly they're they're good at learning from what they do so I'd be curious to see what another project from them looks like. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I think that, you know, whereas before it took me so long to really, like, play the Hitmans uh, and, like, Garbage Game Club helped promote that. Like, uh, whenever they make something new now, I'll be excited for it, which is which is cool. Like, Would you go, go back into Hitman 2 if they released another new level? Yeah, of course. Hmm. I might not want it for full price, but, you know, maybe I'll actually support them instead of being a cheapskate. <laughs> Well, no, like it would probably be released as part of the gold pass that you bought. <laughs> oh, I'd hope so. God, I can't even be the fucking Steam. It's not Steam's fault, actually. I shouldn't say that. What a wild, wild game. I, 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 I liked it, man, too. I, I hope that we can get a couple more people to fiddle around with it because I think that there is something there for most people, which is hard to say about a lot of games. I think there's a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. Especially if you get it on sale. Yeah, especially if you also are someone who is down with the type of replayability we we're talking about. Mm -hmm. There could be, if you're someone who is on quarantine and held up with one game, you can get a lot out of Hitman if you like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I a think lot. just playing through the game, like, just from beginning to end, though, you'll probably end up pouring in at least 20, 20 hours, roughly. Yeah, I'd say so, if you're playing through all of it. Yeah. I probably did a little bit less because some levels were sloppy and I didn't go back and do some replayability stuff, but... You know, I also broke it up because I played Hitman 2 first and then I got all the DLC for 1, 2, and the expansion. So I, I played it in like two different chunks, which also helped me from like, I think, taking a break. Which is also weird though because I played Hitman 2 before I played Hitman 1. And like some of the 1 levels, I'm like, 
okay, yeah, two's objectively better. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that should be expected, I'd hope. Um, but speaking of games that are, I don't know, what was I even saying? Objectively better? That's not the transition I want. That's a bad segue. Uh, speaking of games that have taken source material that is beloved and then turned it into something new. Joey, are you going to play your first Final Fantasy game? I mean, spoiler, I finished my first Final Fantasy <laughs> game. So that means that we're ready to do it on the next episode of Garbage Game Club. Wait, which Final Fantasy? There's so many of them. Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1 2020. It's, part 1's not part of the subtitle. They deliberately tricked people thinking that it would be a... Fo- no, they didn't do that. <laughs> I, I'm ready to talk about Final Fantasy. I have a lot of uh, questions, I guess, <laughs> that uh, might be exciting Might be exciting for next time. We, we finished the game. I mean, we, we played it both on <laughs> Nick's PS4, so <laughs> he took a week, I took a week. And uh, yeah, we're, I, th- I think that uh, there's probably a lot of people who will be excited for that one because it's hard to think of a more beloved franchise or singular game. Yeah. If I think about games that are like, you know, in the upper echelon of, of things people like, it's like, you know, Mario Game X, Zelda Game X, Metal Gear, Final Fantasy. Like It's a titan of industry. Yeah, absolutely. And especially 7, right? Yeah. 7 was the thing that made JRPGs big in the US, just period. Full stop. Well, time. I'm. I would tease that I'm gonna play it, but I mean it's done. So next week, yeah, y'all better be ready. And we're going full spoilers, baby. So uh, be. Warned. I mean, we always do. Yeah, I know, but that's one like I feel people would get pissy about because we've never said the word spoilers. Fuck them. Well, there you go. Thank you guys, and we will see you next time for Garbage Game Club Final uh, Fantasy Seven. Oh, I'm so sorry. Remake.